You're now listening to Vices and Vultures, a podcast on cultures. What's going on, everybody? This is A2. And on Fridays, we'll feature regular guests who will share the cultures that they're passionate about. I will let our second guest now introduce himself and the conversation we are going to get into. Hey, this is Bill. Here's part two of two of our conversation with two of our barista friends, Matt and Motion. We wrap up this conversation by talking about the coffee we're drinking and much more regarding the bean. Enjoy. I guess for me, um, as somebody who's like getting more like involved as far as education, um, there's a lot of different tastes. But to somebody who is not really like educated, it might just all kind of seem the same. Like, how do you kind of like keep a mental inventory of like all the different stuff because there's a lot of different tastes like you look at taste notes there's they're grown in a lot of different areas like how do you like kind of keep that on mind because there's a lot yeah i mean i think a lot of it is um you know have a clean tongue (laughs) that's number one you you always gotta cleanse your palate uh see what you can do Mm -hmm. and it's hard to do it like if you have a cold or something man that's that's the worst the worst thing for a brace to have is a cold Mm -hmm. or not being able to taste something Mm -hmm. because if you can't do either of those it's just um, you can't tell how your coffee is. Right. And I don't trust anybody else's. For me personally, yeah. I don't trust somebody else's taste buds over my own. Yeah, what did we just have? Did we just have the one that you were? Not you mine. Were? No, that was his. That's an a Ethiopian. Okay. From Little Marionette. Little Marionette. That's, that's what salt water has right now? Where yeah, right so now? we use that for a filter and our cold brew, depending on what we feel like. Depends yeah. on who's making the cold brew, too. Right. So if I'm making the cold brew, I'm making an Ethiopian cold brew, hands down. And somebody else making depends on who what they want. But filter we switch it around. Um because it's so hard, like as Bill and we guys have noticed, this is like the dark horse of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like um in espresso it works a little different because it's made for filter. So unless I ask specifically for that, it's not gonna be as good as I want it to. But they say you can dial it in, but I don't have the proper machine for that, you know? So everybody in Australia more or less, I think Little Marinette very often uses the Athamin. Because according to Ed, the owner of Little Marriott, our coffee tastes best with that machine when dialed in. Because he tried, he has a, whatchamacallit, a Nueva Simonelli mm. and all these other machines and he tried them. He was like, it's not the same. And the Atherton is, is, for him anyway. Right, and you yeah, know what, I'm going to listen to the guy. He knows his stuff. He's been in the industry for 13 plus years, I think. He, I mean, you're like, uh, it's pretty cool about Ed's story. Like He dropped out after he was done in high school or whatever. Uh, he started playing around with machines in, in like, Sydney, and uh, from there, he just started the shop, a shop to a roastery, and we got, he got a few shops there, out there, and then on top of that, it's branched out to UK, under Roasting Party UK, mm-hmm. and it's ran by <clears throat> this uh, really good, great roasters, Kirby Sinclair, and he's pretty good at what he does. He sends us his, uh, like, blend this stuff every once in a while, and it's good, but it's, like, not, it's not everybody's favorite. Like, a few of my coworkers, they're not crazy about it. But I like it on that, you know, weird, like, medium dark roast side. So I enjoy it. You're all Italian, you. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, we got So, like, basically, Saltwater was the conduit store for Little Marinette to come into the U.S. Right. And New York being one of the greatest cities in the whole entire universe. That right. makes sense. Yeah, speak on <laughs> it, bro. For me, more about coffee is... Um, I like the history of coffee. Right. Because, you know, bro, made in Wakanda, I mean, Ethiopia. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, made in Wakanda. Made in Wakanda. <laughs> what we're drinking right now. Yo, this is Wakanda coffee right now. Ugh. Pure oh, vibranium. All right, bet. Your bones are going to become vibranium. Okay, cool. <laughs> I want to be levitating by 9 p.m. tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if no. not, I'm calling for a refund. <laughs> well, that's Matt, all y'all. All right, bet. <laughs> no, it's on site, bro. But no, Matt, he probably stole it from there. So, you know. yeah. <laughs> anyway... Um, yeah, so the history was, you know, coffee was in Ethiopia. There was a short time where, but they didn't drink coffee like we're drinking right now, right. obviously. But they used to do was they take the cherries and they boil it and they drink it like a broth or soup kind of thing. And that's how they did it originally. Right. So it was more of a, I wouldn't even call it like there was no roasting process going down or anything. It was just, um, it's just boiled bean water. Right. Like boiled bean, like cherry water. Cherry let's water. say that. Let's say cherry water because that's what's more. It was right. It was flavored by the plant. Yeah. But yeah. you know, the you still get the energy from like, you know, the cascara itself. You could chew on it and right. you still get the energy. Which is like having like the cocaine leaf. You were just yeah. do that the same thing. For <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, now, now that you bring that up. <laughs> yeah. So I I was doing a whole paper on it and majority like the origin of coffee is apocryphal. So there is no primary source saying where co- what happened with coffee. But we all know it's from Ethiopia. That's that's just a fact. The bean itself is from Ethiopia. And then when Ethiopia invaded Yemen for like fifty years or so, they took the plants and they cultivated there. So in Yemen they started roasting, they played with the coffee and stuff, and they uh this is one of the tales. There's another one where a monk roast tossed it in the fire and he smelled the aroma and then he boiled it and then you got a coffee. But in Yemen they did like they grinded it, they cooked it up in the port of mocha and stuff. And they in, in, in a time before time? In a time before time. <laughs> it was in the eighties, bro. It was in the eighties. The days of your yeah. A D. Yeah, and what I learned about when I was doing my research, I even made a paper about it. If you guys want, I'll send it to you later. Um was the first use of coffee, like proper coffee, like we're drinking, like, you know, it's more like a mocha pot kind of situation, was used by Sufi mystics. Mm. Now, Sufi mystics are Muslim dudes that will pray, they go around, you know, get, preach the word of, of God. So, for my reason of getting back to coffee is, um, they would they would even drink the coffee in the morning. They could drink it in the middle of the night, so they could, like, pray all night. Keep them awake. Yeah. Yo, that's <laughs> so wild. Yeah, yeah. So, guys, coffee's oh. Muslim. Just so you guys know. Yo, that's crazy. It's black and it's Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're going to reclaim it. Oh, so that's my reason. Gosh. This is my dark. It's got real quest. dark, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, wow. this is my holy quest to reclaim coffee. coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this guy's reclaiming coffee. Yeah, yeah. Hey, for the nation of Islam, yo, we out. Uh, we out here, bro. Oh, I'm with cappuccino head ass. <laughs> <laughs> No, but my main thing was like learning about coffee itself was very interesting for me. And uh, right. the more I got into it, I got into it. Mm, so yeah. what I want to learn more about is um, all different bur- like I like I wish I before I saw like Bill's collection, I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I have a bunch of stuff I could brew. <laughs> and then I saw Bill's, I'm like, yeah, I got. Yeah, I got The locker. Bill, Bill got enough coffee to feed a whole entire army, man. And then some. <laughs> and then some. Right. No, but it was like, uh, yeah. So I think the most heinous thing I do with coffee is making a hundred gram pour overs. And as Bill was like, that's syrup. <laughs> oh, why didn't you hear that? A hundred gram pour overs? What is wrong with you? Dude, pre-workout, bro. <laughs> that's not a pre-workout. You're going to die. As sad as it is, as much as I, as a coffee lover as I am, and I would love to get people to drink, you know, the kind of coffees that I drink at home, 
it's just not going to happen. You know, it's just, just the way it mm-hmm. is. But I think there's an opportunity to still improve people's palates, even if they put milk. You know, that also falls on the coffee shop. Like when you go to yeah. when you go to a place like Southdown, we've been talking about them. I can drink their batch brew. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's wonderful, and that batch brew also applies itself to milk really well. So like you still have to know that your audience, because the vast majority of coffee drinkers, they're milk based mm-hmm. and they're giant size based. You know, I have friends that come here and I pull out a four ounce mug and they're like, what is this? Is this just a sip for me? <laughs> yeah, what does to do with this? I don't have any mugs that are 16 ounces and up. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's literally my entire pour over in one mug. And it's going to be cold halfway through. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think there, it works both ways. And I, I've done it at Pipeline with Matt when I've just been hanging out with him and I've actually made pour overs for some of his customers. And I'll flat out tell him, I said, you should you know, take a couple sips before... You do anything else to it and just see how you actually like the coffee. Yeah. Not the drink that you're used to. Yeah. Because I think some of it is just, it's just muscle memory. And you've been drinking coffee since college and you're in your 30s or your 40s. Yeah. You're talking about somebody who's been drinking coffee for 15 and 20 years. Yeah. Your inclination is just to walk over the milk station. I'm gonna, yeah. I need my warm beverage. It's going to get me a bump of caffeine. You know? And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're in a place that's serving a natural processed... 92 point Ethiopian that you know it's it's something that you want someone to understand that this is like a fine wine yeah. there's a certain way to appreciate this coffee and there's a certain amount that's available so yeah. by yeah yeah there's a reason I'm charging you know six bucks for this pour over because I'm paying the farmers as much as I can like there's there's a whole system but the whole system of fair trade and whatnot yeah or why you don't go to George Howell in Boston and get the you know Kenya double A and then I'll tell you, if there's one breaking point for being in public, <laughs> if I ever see somebody get a Mamuto AA with George Howell and dump milk in it, I will lay them out. <laughs> they will go to sleep. <laughs> That's how good that coffee There's a reason that coffee costs $12 yeah, a cup. And it's incredible. Wow. There are breaking points. That's, that's, like a, that's a life. There are breaking points. That's, 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 a, that's, a, life, that's a life change. But on your average. You know, I mean, I think Where I, is this? George Howell in Boston. Boston. Are we out? Mm. So. Guys, get in the car. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I wouldn't have heartbeat. <laughs> you know, I think Flux for me in Farmingdale is a very perfect example of specialty coffee, but understanding how the public works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They only make pour overs. So every pour over has the potential to have half and half. Almond milk, oat milk, something dumped into it plus sugar. Every single pour over they make. There's no willow room right. because that's their only way to make. And it's a good combination yeah. of both. So you 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 see it on full display, and I've been there so many times where I've seen people get a pour over, and it's maybe a cop who's popping in to get a cup, who's probably just looking for a caffeine fix, and they'll say to them, "Hey, try it without anything in it first. Mm-hmm. and they'll be like, "Whoa, this is really sweet and really good." And yeah. yeah, they'll just walk out. You see it all the time. Getting past that whole, like, first being offended because this is my craft mm-hmm. and you're about to ruin my craft. <laughs> first, you got to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Second, you have to understand the general consumer public is not like you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Nothing like you. Definitely not like you. <laughs> I know the guy, baby. I'll pay $25 for... The only one, out here, only one out here reclaiming. Yeah. <laughs> you, go, you go to Dunkin' Donuts, you can get three pounds of coffee for $19.99. Mm. The coffee I buy is twenty five dollars for eight ounces. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. 
And there's a difference with that. But the, there's a difference between buying Budweiser and some craft beer. Right. Or a fine wine or, you know, the piece of crap, you know. Yo, see style bottle. There you go. Hand yeah. that, that over. Six, <laughs> $6 magnum that. <laughs> yeah, see, see, not everybody like you, bro. <laughs> you got to breach uh, that. Well, I don't drink yeah. wine. That's but let's talk a little bit about, like, to wrap up, let's talk a little bit uh, real quickly about other shops. Um, particularly for people in New York, because that's where we are right now, but also places that in cafes that you've been at that you're like, dang, like this is really dope. So for instance, um, when we had Orlando on, like he talked a lot about shops that he's been to like in LA and things like that. And he's just like somebody who just enjoys it for what it is. So with your barista perspective, we'll start with Matt. What do you think is like good shops? Like, and are, are there any ones in like Miami, for instance, that are just like, this is legit. If anybody's listening from Miami, trying to go to Miami. Um, like right now, um, I would say probably the, I mean, they have Panther coffee down there, which is, you know, that's the, that's the huge staple for them. That's like there, that was the first like really big coffee shop was Panther like that. I think they have like six or seven locations now. Nice. Um, yeah, I hear about Panther a lot. Yeah. And they have, and they, like I said, you, if you get like a pour over something on there, they do a great job. Um, I, I personally, like I've, uh, the shop I used to work at three four actually did a, has a, secondary company called deco coffee um they sent me some samples um really good really clean uh, they're beginning roaster as well so they're kind of just still getting their feet wet but um that's, a, that's a, the shop itself is really wonderful uh amias there is nice that's that's that that'd be the shop that i would go to when i go back to miami True. um there's not a whole lot of good quality coffee shops in miami um outside of that i think there there might be more um there's two i can't i can't remember the exact location of them but there's one called argyle there's another one called uh switchbox true both in florida both roasters both fantastic coffee shops um i don't know i can't remember exactly where they're at but right um i've had coffee from both uh when we were because we were multi-roaster at <clears throat> threefold so we would get those kind of coffees in and they do a, they do a really good job mm -hmm. um as far as good it goes nice nice what about you motion um is it New York or... Anywhere? I mean, it could be New York. Cool. Because um, one of my most recent coffee experiences was actually uh, that I enjoyed a lot. On the regular, I go to Black Fox every once in a while. Black Fox has one of the best selections of coffee. You get George Howell, you get 49 Parallel. Yeah. Those are two of my favorite. Like, Well, 49 Parallel more than George Howell was, is one of my favorite. That's actually one of my other introductions of coffee. Because it's just like nice, creamy, and chocolate. Yeah. But I had a Kenny from there recently. I believe it was from George Howell, and it was phenomenal. And I'm not, as me and Matt had this conversation before, I was never bought by Kenny itself because there's that margin of error where it makes it terrible or really good. And uh, every time I go to Black Fox, solid coffee, solid espresso, um, anything from there because they do it like um, they do a really good job. And I believe, I forgot what the name was, uh, the owner, Chris Turner, something like that. I don't know, but he I worked with him in Grumpy's before. And this guy, he knows his coffee. Mm -hmm. He makes one of the best coffees around. And he was a sommelier in Australia. So yeah. when he opened up in New York, it was just, like, mind-boggling. Yeah, Black Fox, I think. I, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better multi-roaster in New York City, in the surrounding area. I mean, Ford Apparel, George Howell, obviously, Vancouver and Boston, respectively. Small Batch, mm -hmm. I believe, is one of their main sources because I believe there's a relationship between shop owner and small batch which is a roaster out of australia it's also amazing but they carry a lot of different coffees at different times i know recently they had luna in there 
which is a really big blossoming new coffee on the scene that's very good. Um, yeah, that place is really, really amazing. Nice. Yeah. Also, they have Brace Mundo, so you know, <laughs> you you gonna get you gonna get that love. Yeah. And he does. He's good at what he does. Yeah. He's one of the best. Yeah. Word. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Vices and Vultures, and considering being a supporter of this project. Even leaving a review on your preferred podcast platform goes a long way for us. There is more information about this episode as well as who we are in the show notes. This includes all of our social media links so you can see us and not just hear us. Vices and Vultures is brought to you by Aesthetic and is based in the great state of New York. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast for more episodes and tune in next time to Vices and Vultures.